0: the Boating Life podcast with Savvy Navi, making marine navigation at sea easy. This is a podcast by boating app Savvy Navi, the navigation app that puts essential marine information in one convenient place. Welcome on board with me Kerry Herford-Jones as I meet up with more wonderful guests for this Savvy Navi podcast, the series that's designed to try and reduce the barriers to boating and show how you could overcome them. Among our guests in this series, we'll be meeting up with a ship's pilot and a marina operator. We'll also hear from one of the team at SunSail, plus a marine engineer, a sailing school and a specialist marine insurance broker, to name but a few. Today, I'll be catching up once again with Adam, Lauren and of course their lovely dog, Freddie, to find out more about their preparations for their adventurous sail around the coast of the UK. And we'll also meet up with the MD of Sea Start, nick eels first though it's time to meet our adventurous crew hi guys lovely to have you with us again thank you so much for joining us thank you for having us
1: mm-hmm. hi Kerry.
2: hi how's Freddie? is the first question <laughs> he's he's doing well he's doing well he's he's taking himself back <laughs> off to bed actually at the moment
1: <laughs> every episode freddy's asleep
2: yeah <laughs> this is the sum turtle he doesn't exist he's a figment
0: he just appears in sleep mode <laughs> so listen we left the last episode you were on board with a friend having to call out the RNLI how did that go what 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 was the result and and how did they help
2: yes yeah, so I was helping a friend bring his boat back from Plymouth back to the Solent and we were motoring along across Lime Bay there was no wind unfortunately and we suddenly went down and did a few checks and we noticed that the gearbox had leaked all of its oil and there was a, there was a seal that had broken And there was no way of fixing it. And it was pitch black at this point. So we actually phoned a local marina just to seek some advice and say, was there a company that offers a service where you could really want to bother the RNLI? Because we went in life-threatening danger. He then said, yeah, let me make a few calls. And then after about five or six minutes, the RNLI lifeboat at Brixham radioed us on Channel 16 on a VHF and said they've been made aware of our situation and they were actually going to escalate that to a pan pan and they would be coming to get us so that was a huge relief off our mind and i must say that they were such a professional team they came out they were radioing us constantly to make sure that we were okay they asked us to shine a light on our sails just to help highlight where we were and when they turned up it was actually quite an impressive operation i must admit i afterwards i actually quite enjoyed it i think Uh, maybe it was the adrenaline but they had a huge huge rni boat there and they swing it round so that the their stern of the boat is facing you so that they can throw you lines and things like that but also so if they get too close they can accelerate away from you um and what they did is they they threw us a a mousing line or a smaller line connected to a larger rope which we then heaved in luckily uh, my friend is quite competent with boats he knew how to tie a good bridle we towed the bridle on and they, they towed us into, into Dartmouth. I must say that their service was absolutely amazing. When we got into Dartmouth there were shore crew there, I think there was about three three cars there, about six people, ready to catch our lines, if we needed any medical attention, whether we just needed someone to talk to, all of that was there and it was completely free, all volunteers and just an absolutely amazing service
0: great story to hear and it's just that whole thing isn't it we're so lucky to have this amazing service on our own coastline aren't we
2: we are we are very lucky and we you feel that they're they're there watching you mm. which is really really helpful
0: fantastic well that was uh good news good to know that all was ended well in the end and did your friend get a new gearbox in the end that's the
2: question yeah he did it was a bit a bit of an expense that he didn't really want to to, to do but You, you, he had to do it, but yeah.
0: Well, listen, we're enjoying very much your voyage of discovery of yourselves, the voyage of all the new places you're going to. I can't wait to start having those conversations with you in the next episode about the places you've been and about putting into practice some of the theory of some of the things you've learned along the way. But before we get there, we have got one area we need to talk a bit more detail about, and that's about how you actually keep on top of boat maintenance. It's a job that needs doing on any boat about keeping on top of stuff. How do you go about the division of labor when it comes to maintaining the boat and making sure the things that need to get done, get done?
2: So I think sort of handle most of the maintenance tasks on board. I used to do a maintenance job, so I've kind of got to do it really. But yeah, so some jobs, to be honest, you need two hands. Working on a boat, it's tight spaces. So having Lauren there to be like, oh, can you pass me this, pass me that, really cuts down on the time uh, that it takes to do the jobs, which is really helpful.
1: And we do problem solve together. It's often helpful to talk things through. So even though I might not know the mechanics of the job, yeah. sometimes to get it on paper or talk about it is is really helpful, I think. And it helps me understand what you need to do and how I can then help you, if that makes sense.
0: So let's talk about one or two of the, uh, of the bigger jobs that you've done over your time. Batteries, first of all, Adam, it can be a little bit of a... Uh, kind of a a really steep learning curve for those of us that don't know an awful lot about electrics did you just learn as you went along or did you did you get some help
2: yeah so I learned as I went along I YouTubed a lot of it and uh, I was lucky where I worked in a maintenance team had electricians around that I could ask most boat electrics are 12 volt so although it's it is daunting because it's your own boat you know they're, they're relatively low power you're not going to elect yourself and it's just make sure any connections onto the batteries are really tight they don't want to be moving around because that's when things could spark then you you're running the risk then of of maybe possibly a fire so make sure everything's tight use the correct crimps and again if you're using crimps check that that's tight heat shrink over the top to help with waterproofing but yeah just just go for it, it's not that daunting once you start to get used to it and it makes it a lot a lot simpler in your head once you're laying everything out and you're understanding the boat.
1: I think our boat's quite tricky as well as with a lot of people that have older boats because there's a lot of excess wiring that we're, st- I mean I found an old bilge pump wire yesterday we've just removed which was wasn't connected to anything but if you have got a second-hand boat you have to kind of be aware of lots of odd jobs that have been done in the past really
0: yeah you're very polite there lauren what you're trying (laughs) to say is it's a a bit it's a bit of a rat's nest of wires and you've got no (laughs) idea why the previous owner did that
1: yeah lots 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 of cursing
0: (laughs) (laughs) so electric's a big area you obviously wanted to upgrade a lot as well i presume as you went along
2: yeah, as we've just upgraded our electrics as far as chart plotters, putting in different fridges and freezers and things like that, we just stripped the old wires out and replaced them with the correct gauge as well. So if you have something that requires a lot of power, it might need thicker wires. For example, we had our solar, also tinned wire, which just helps with the corrosion issues because, you know, at the end of the day, it's, we're around a saltwater environment. It's, it's never good for anything, really. So just do a bit of research on the correct... Correct gauges is, is, is really good and really useful. Don't take too many shortcuts. I think that's the message I'm hearing. Yeah, it's not it's not going to help you out in the long run, definitely. You
1: might be tempted, but don't do it.
0: <laughs> and obviously water pipes, again, another big area. I know last time you were at the water, you did a huge job on, on the water pipes, didn't you?
1: Ever since we've had the boat, really, we've had ongoing issues with water pipes popping off and our water pump. We've always had a really strong shower on board and we're very lucky that our pump was just amazing. That pump then broke and ever since we've replaced that pump, we've had all sorts of issues with pressure. So because the shower wasn't strong enough, we decided to increase the like bore of the water tubes going from the pump to the shower, the forward shower. Um so we had all the floorboards up, we were under the sink, we were trying to get pipes through holes that weren't big enough, and I'm sure it sounds familiar to lots of people. but boat it is. Yoga. Yeah, a bit of boat yoga. It's one of those things you've just got to rip everything up to get to a small place, but you get there in the end, and that job, although it was annoying, it wasn't particularly difficult.
2: It was quite a satisfying job, actually.
1: Once it was done. Once it's done.
2: <laughs> um, also, with our boat being over 30 years old, the water pipes were probably all original so it was probably Mm. it was probably due a change to some cleaner and 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 better pipes definitely yeah
0: and we've got to bring the toilet into the equation because it is at the heart of the boat in many ways did you have to change piping in there as well
2: yeah so when I bought the boat I changed the sanitary hoses again you probably want to buy the correct hose because they have an odourless coating on them so you don't really want your toilet to be smelling. So I'd buy the correct hoses there. They are a little bit more expensive and they're very stiff. So you will need uh, a heat Heat gun. Heat gun's
1: been really useful actually. We haven't always had one. To get the
2: the pipes over whatever it is, whether it's a seacock or the back of the toilet. But I think that's a job you want to do at least every five years Mm. or so.
1: And service them annually.
2: Yeah, well,
0: you said, Lauren, you're the queen of the the heads.
1: Yes, apparently it's my new title.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I delegated that one, so... (laughs)
0: obviously uh, engine you need to do a lot of you know uh, maintenance and keep on top of things there how does that work for you guys
2: so we do an annual service on the engine which is similar to your car oil fuel filters belts um air filters etc and we keep a lot of spares as well especially when we're now cruising you never know how clean the fuel is going to be so we keep a few few extra fuel filters
1: and you've got the diesel and, uh, treatment as well the diesel bug
2: yeah we put in some treatment into the tank when we fill it up which is just to help keeps the diesel bug at bay and also it helps get rid of some of the moisture out of the diesel as well i've heard with our boat we have a stainless steel fuel tank and over the winter you can actually get condensation on side inside the tank which of course will uh, sink to the bottom and the fuel will uh, float on top so that's something to be uh taken into consideration if you're going to be leaving your boat for a long time over the winter
0: yeah it's again stuff you learn stuff you hear out from other people and none of this stuff is set in stone it's a recommendations should you use this should you use that it can be a bit bewildering sometimes on uh, on what you should be doing or what you shouldn't be doing
2: yes definitely again it's one of those things that everyone's got a different opinion on but if you you know your engine it's there to be used you do use it a lot so treat it with respect and it will look after you at the end of the day because you don't want to be coming into a marina or something and your engine cuts out on you because that, that's uh, going to be nightmare situation there so just just look after it and then hopefully it will look after you so what else is on the boat
0: health checklist then guys
2: so once a year we try and get lifted out of the water and when we do that we like to try and replace the anodes on board the boat we do the anti foul paint and this is a good time also to check for wear in cutlass bearings which is uh, only I think on shaft driven boats but also anti foul the prop clean the prop a lot of people take it off and polish it there's all sorts of different things that people do with that service the seacocks because you don't really want a see sea Um some seacocks, like we have, are old and you can take them apart, re-grease them, and others just need replacing. Whether you get someone else to do that or do that yourself is, is up to you.
1: That Everything is just ticking over nicely. So the only issue that we have at the moment is a slight oil and coolant leak, which you've just noticed from monitoring the bilge. But hopefully it's not too much of an issue.
2: It's a very small leak and at the moment I'm happy with topping up a little bit of oil every time and it is only a small amount same with the coolant a very small leak so i'm happy to keep topping those up for now and then when we stop and winterize the boat i'll have a look at at getting those fixing getting those fixed the oil leak on the engine could lead to a bigger job so i'm not i'm not willing to sort of pry around at Mm. the moment
1: it might be some sort of gasket leak, but we yeah. don't know.
0: So, is there one thing you would say on the boat that absolutely transformed your living pleasure and cruising pleasure by having on the boat? Uh, that you didn't have when you first bought her?
1: Yeah, I think there's an obvious answer for us for that one, and it's definitely the cockpit enclosure for us. When we bought the boat, we had a very small... Spray hood. Spray hood, yeah, which was like half the height of the one that we've got now, and it was a very awkward height. You couldn't see over it, and it was just in our eye line. so we thought, right, we need to change that. So we got a local company round. They just measured up, and now we've got yeah, a bigger spray hood. We've got a bimini... Um, and you can actually remove all these, actually, the sides navy and the insides of the bear when you're out there. Um, we've also had a window installed, so like a panel, so we can look up from inside and see the sails if we were to have it up whilst we're out there. But it's absolutely added a mm. whole other room onto the boat, really. And we spend a lot of time out there in both summer and winter. On this trip, really, we haven't spent much time in the saloon. We've been out in the, in the cockpit, Outside, really. Outside,
2: yeah. 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 It really has transformed the boat. And even though we've had it three years, To this day, we still say that's the best thing I've probably ever bought. Definitely.
0: (laughs) Any more thoughts or recommendations you might make to fellow sailors about boat maintenance, keeping your boat healthy, keeping on top of things?
2: One of the only things I'd say is if you know there's an issue, if you can fix it straight away or get something done, do it straight away. Don't put it off because it, it could get it it could end up being a lot worse if you just leave things even
1: though we're going to leave <laughs> even though
2: i said i'm going to leave the uh, oil leak on the engine <laughs> but but other things le- leaking windows <laughs> that sort of thing just just get them done and it will save you a lot of hassle in the long run
1: yeah and obviously you know if you do spot a leak we had had a few stanchions that have been leaking it would have been really easy to just do a quick job but instead you know we got all the Core out that had gone rotten, and then we've epoxied and resined inside, and that takes a lot longer. But we know that the job's done properly, and then we won't have to do that job again. Mm. So sometimes you have to spend a little bit more time doing things in more detail, but in the in the end, it will pay off.
2: Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's peace of mind again when you're out there. So definitely worth just doing the jobs when they
1: come up don't be afraid to learn new skills like epoxy and fiberglassing and things like that because we didn't know any of this and we've just learned from friends or online or just by having a go really and we're a lot more confident with those things than we would be last year
0: Mm. so youtube where would we be without it really
1: oh i know we do rely on youtube for
2: it's a great resource it's a great yeah all things
1: and you know learning from other people's experiences and seeing what they've gone through as well it can be a really useful tool mm.
0: and that's really a lot about what these podcasts are about one other thing we ought to talk about is condensation keeping on top of that really important to do so isn't it
1: yeah definitely luckily on our boat because we don't have any exposed all the hull is sort of got like a it's almost like a carpet lining i guess and we haven't really noticed that much condensation on this boat but i have been on boats that generally they have exposed exposed hull and you can see the condensation does build up quite drastically which can become a big issue with mould. We do still use a dehumidifier in the winter and we find that it's very useful and it helps them but generally our boat's not too bad but I know some boats can suffer quite badly from from condensation mm. and mould.
2: We being liverboards, we're obviously on board during the winter as well so I think that helps keep the boat at a nice temperature but yeah definitely dehumidifiers and if you can maybe leave an oil-filled radiator i wouldn't recommend leaving a fan heater alone <laughs> yes yeah, that's, that's that's it really that's all we do really isn't it great to talk to
0: you all uh lovely to hear things are going so well for you in the main hope you get the outboard sorted out sooner rather than later let us know how you get on will you?
1: Yes, we will. Thank you very much. Thank you very much
2: for having (laughs) us again.
0: No problem. Well, in the next episode, we'll be starting to talk about putting it all into practice. Uh, We've actually got a very special guest joining us for the next podcast, a ship's pilot. So we'll be able to hear how things look and sound and feel from on the bridge of some of the big uh, container ships plying their trade around the UK shores. I'm looking forward to that, aren't you?
1: Yeah, sounds really good. Can't wait.
0: Really
2: interested to hear someone Mm. else's perspective. On
0: it. I think it would be about getting, getting sailors to keep their blinking boats out of the way, Adam.
2: Yeah, I think <laughs> having a sailboat tacking in front of them is probably one of their most biggest annoyances, I think. <laughs> getting stressed out planning your next sailing trip. Zavi Navi acts like your silent first mate, cross checking your calculations and providing all the information you need to get out on the water safely. Get integrated charts, weather forecasts, tidal heights, tidal streams, distance calculations and more in one place. Whether you're looking to plan an entire trip or just want to check the charts, tide and weather, it's as easy as one, two, three. Sail safe, sail easy. Sail with Savvy Navi. Download the app now on the Apple App and Google Play stores to start your free trial.
0: Great to hear then from the crew of Phoenix about how they carry out their own boat maintenance. But what happens when there is a mechanical problem that you struggle to fix? We've all been there. Well, those of us that get out on our own boats around the south coast will be very familiar with Nick Eel's big yellow boats running to the rescue. He's got a strong link to the sea, and after a 14-year career with the Royal Navy, he joined Sea Start as their senior mechanic before eventually buying the assets of the business and building it up to the success it enjoys today. I started by asking Nick to give me some of the key facts about his business, Seastart.
3: We probably do about 2,500 breakdowns a year. Obviously, we peak between, although the season's got bigger, we peak between May and sort of end of September. At the weekends, if it's sunny like it's going to be this weekend, we have to put extra staff on in the office, it's going to be you know it's going to be pretty full on we'll do 40 or 50 a day not all at sea but a lot of them will be at sea and in bays and anchorages we tend to we always put our members first paid up members always come first and we do take on the odd non-member but in like this weekend if you're not in the gang there's a high chance we'll have to pass it on so but yeah no we have a reasonably good success rate we You know of getting things going and so our our, our problem is to sort people's problems and issues out you know if they're just going on holiday and they pitch up in Yarmouth or pool or something and they want to go on further or if they just need to get home or what have you but you know we aim to try and fix people because you know towing is very monotonous and you know you know it's much quicker to try and fix somebody
0: absolutely what's the uh, what's the membership cost these days Nick wow okay so for an under 23
3: foot single engine boat it's 144.50 over 23 foot single engine 155.50 and over 23 foot twin
0: engine is 166.50 just remind us of the area that you actually primarily operate in nick
3: we maintain that we cover from selsey bill around the back of the isle of wight up to about three miles off the back of the isle of wight our boats here are coded for up to 20 miles offshore then we've got all the way down as far as Poole and down to Weymouth. We don't go around Portland Bill and across Lyme Bay and then we've got a boat based in Brixham and then dartmouth Solcombe, and then all the ports going down as far as Falmouth. The Scilly Isles we've got shore side cover there so we get a lot of people pitch up in the Scilly Isles and we all hold our hands because it's not easy to get things done in the silly Isles. There's some fantastic people, but but there's some fantastic. We 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 met we through contacts and contacts, which is a lot about what Sea Star is about. You know, we found some really good agents or people down there that that help us out. So, you know, yeah, it it it's what it is. And also, we cover the Channel Islands, shoreside and the North Brittany coast. So. So in the in the Channel Islands, which obviously now they've just opened Guernsey, so we're starting to get the breakdowns in Guernsey. I'm sure Jersey will be next. Not in France yet, but they're sure side because the problem with the Channel Islands is you can't just have a guy going out in a rib. It's very, as we all know, very dangerous waters. So I think the authorities in the Coast Guard want to deal with that and get them safe, rather than than us. And then we'll deal with them when they get in. So Guernseys are popular on it there.
0: One thing I'd always yeah. like to ask, or always wanted to ask, is there are clearly some T's and C's into your contracts, but what, what happens when you get a sort of, how can I put this, a regular caller, somebody who clearly has an <laughs> ongoing issue? How, how do you deal with that? And of course you use tact and diplomacy, but what's the bottom line, Nick? In 30 years,
3: I've only banned one person. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I took him <laughs> back in the end. Okay, so we do have the old customer that just won't won't listen and the problem is is if you don't and your boat keeps breaking down you're going to end up with a massive bill in the end but generally most people are quite sensible they don't want to get caught out and they do do something about it and a lot of it they're just genuinely unlucky boats are not as reliable as cars are a lot of people start off in small boats okay now I can I've got people on my books that I've been with this probably 25 years and they started off in some little small, I can't name brand or anything, but some little small speedboat that now owns a 65 foot, you know, azimuth and he stayed with me for life because in the early days he broke down he still might have the odd call in the big boat, but I think half the point is when you go to them, is hopefully my engineers try and educate them, because probably not very often you're on board with an engineer, because you Mm. normally give somebody the keys and get it serviced, so they can ask the questions and go, look, you've got to sort this out, you've got to do this and that, so so there's that side of it as well. So I I don't judge. I mean, you know, not too much. Anyway, sometimes I go, <laughs> not him again.
0: <laughs> it's fixing things, but also a bit of education all blended into one by the sounds of it.
3: Well, yeah, I think that's important, you know. I think that's half the problem. People need to learn about their, their boats and things,
0: you know. The whole essence of the Savvy Navy podcast series is about demystifying, is starting to sort of break down the barriers to boating and i'd be interested to know with your vast experience in all ranges of different boats what would be your advice to somebody thinking about buying a boat for the first time obviously from a mechanical point of view particularly
3: obviously when you buy a boat you should get it surveyed if you have got an engineer to go look at it you, and you don't know anything about engines how to get somebody to have a professional look at it it's probably the most well you know even if it's a yacht you know to replace that engine going to be eight grand a professional eye over it is not a bad thing you they can never guarantee, unless they do proper compression tests and all sorts of tests, what's going to happen. But you can generally see if an engine's been looked after. I, When I bought a small yacht, I took a quick look at it and looked over the engines. First thing I looked at was the batteries. I could see that one of them was five years old. So I just put new batteries in. The batteries are the heart of the boat. Why mess about? Then you know where you are with them. They're not a huge cost. Well, it depends on what type of boat you've got. But... Once you've done that, you're there. And then there are other things that you can look at if you've got rust, leak, salt. It's just a general look around. And, uh obviously any service history like you would with a car is important has the guy looked after it has he gone to a, 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 a dealer or who looks after it? it doesn't necessarily have to be a dealer and i think generally by looking at the condition of a boat you can tell if somebody's looked after it but there's no real guarantees really it's no mystery really if it's been looked after it's going to last a lot longer than if it hasn't It will say is if you buy a boat and you, you say you buy it in Wales or somewhere like that and you decide that you want to take it on its own bottom and sail it round back to Chichester or something, consider putting it on a lorry. You'll be amazed how many people who do, do delivery trips or decide to sail their own boat back who haven't really tested the boat, haven't really given it a chance, and they end up in a hell of a mess. So we get quite a lot of that. And uh, sometimes it's, you know, it's fixable and sometimes it's not so fixable when the boat gets stuck and all that kind of stuff. So just think about going by road rather than on, on, on its own bottom.
0: The probably the best advice of this podcast so far, Nick. I reckon that's <laughs> uh, the. That I, I can tell from the note of your tone of your voice how real that actually is. <laughs>
3: you just feel sorry for some people, and I think okay, it would have cost you a bit more, but now it's going to cost you a whole heap more, and you're not going to have your boat. And if you get it back to your own place, you've got your own engineer. You can, you know, you've got time to, anyway. One of those things. How,
0: how do you keep on top of emerging technology and the changes? Particularly, I'm thinking, hey, are you becoming more of a software engineer than a mechanical engineer sometimes?
3: All the problems that we deal with are still there the basic problems, which are overheating, fuel starvation, basic electric starting, and actually the computerization side of it is not that. It's pretty, because it comes from the car industry, it's pretty reliable. So it's you don't need to have all this to do what we do you don't need to have all this computerization i mean i do carry some of the tools for you you know to that we can plug in if we have to but it's not the kind of thing that we use an awful lot so keeping up with it it is as you say these car engines have been around for a long time most of my guys have all some of them have come from the car industry. So it's not really a massive issue. There are some engines that you do need to plug in and there are some engines that have peculiarities, but generally the Volvos and things like that, you we can sort of get around. So and if we can't, well we know somebody who can. So it's not, not really a major issue. Still the still the major problems are fuel, overheating, general electrics, charging, batteries, foul propellers and uh, you know some of the now the more complicated control systems where you have ips and joystick controls and all that that's getting a little bit more complicated i think we're finding that when that goes wrong then the owner of the boat is finding it very difficult to override it and drive the boat etc etc so it's kind of a double-edged sword all this technology is okay but when it goes wrong in the old days when you had shaft drive boats, you could just go in one engine and stuff like that. Now it's not quite as simple.
0: You've referenced there quite a number of the of the top five or so problems that you guys come across on a, on a daily basis. What is the top one that you come across more than any other?
3: The top one has got to be electrical, what I call the heavy electrical side of it, which is starter motors, alternators, relays, charging systems, batteries, switches all that kind of stuff. It it always is. It's the I can't start kind of issue. Definitely that closely followed by fuel, fuel issues being filters, blockages, ever since biodiesel sort of being introduced, we're getting a lot more of bug and dirty fuel and stuff like that. So yeah, that's not changed. And overheating, overheating's been really prolific this week because there's a bit of weed around and... You know, as soon as we get this lovely sunshine, the weed comes to the top and then a lot of cell drives and intakes get blocked up. So those, those are the three things. And I think that's most of, the, most of the time that's what we do. And of course, then we get proper mechanical failures where something really nasty goes wrong. And then all we've got to do is tow them and there's nothing we can do for them. Drive belts is another thing that's quite common. So, yeah, so it's still all, this, all the same stuff, really, that we've been doing for years.
0: Two and a half thousand call-outs on average a year. That's, that's an awful lot of call-outs. That's an awful lot of spare parts you guys must carry. I, I can't imagine. I mean, how much stuff no. do you actually carry on your on your boats? No.
3: Do you know, we, Do you know? it's it's quite funny you say that. We don't carry much. We do carry the basics. But a lot of it's, as I say, it's, I mean, impellers. A lot of people carry their own spares. We always encourage people to carry their own spares. But, no, the boats carry pretty basic stuff the filters some of the belts all the common stuff that we need but not not a huge amount so if it's something more in depth we can go and get it from somewhere or we know people it, it's it's very strange oh, a lot of fuel we, 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 we take a lot of fuel out to people a lot of people run out of fuel forgot about that one <laughs>
0: In this podcast series, we're really focusing on reducing the fear factor for boat owners and crew. How could people help themselves more to reduce the, the panic that kicks in when something goes wrong, do you think?
3: Well, the first thing is, I think you've got to talk about prevention, OK, because a lot of these things could be avoided because a lot of people, are, it's a bit like cars this day and age, we don't often lift the bonnet up and have a look, do we, really? And I get, that, I get that feeling that if you, that, that mentality's crept in, it's important to just check before, you know, and have a good look around your engine and know what you're looking for so that this doesn't happen. And, you know, things like belt, make sure the belts are tight and things like that. It takes five, ten minutes. Dip the oil, make sure there's no oil leaks. I always absolutely believe 100 that the bilges should be clean underneath the engine then if any leaks come in you notice any changes any nuts and bolts fall off so that's the kind of thing pre-start checks is the one thing that's going to ease it a bit the next thing is really i don't know i mean the, the when something goes wrong i guess you need to decide if you're a sailing boat you've got the option to sail if you're a power boat you don't know whether you're going to what you where are you going to drift into danger you've got to have a little think about where you are and what you can do and one of the most important pieces of kit on board a boat is the anchor and you if you buy a boat you must have a decent anchor and a bit of chain and some rope because that will just you can you know suddenly the engine stops and you need to stop the boat from going on a lee shore or or drifting in the shipping lane that's the thing that's going to save you because once you've done that you've stabilized your, your position then a help can get to you and b that so the the panic factor is, is is i think the panic factor is down to experience isn't it really i think that's the thing we want to encourage people to do that so we will get this situation on the phone what we, how we do it is one of the girls will take the call and then one of the engineers will call them and obviously we're all boaty people so we will then advise them what to do or try to advise them or give them some advice and if we think it's not right because we are not really a rescue service we're a breakdown service we have no qualms about passing it on to the Coast Guard if we think the situation is not right for us safety of them and for us and that's what we have to do so we tried to calm them down and say right okay so you're drifting but where are you drifting to are you going to clear everything yeah we're fine so that's the thing isn't it it's managing that and that's that's experience which hopefully again we kind of use them through it but I think I think it's just confidence, isn't it? I think it's just about knowing you've checked your engine.
0: I think, I think the one thing that came across or has come across strongly to this uh, podcast today, hearing it from the sharp end, if you like, is that whole thing about knowledge and experience, yeah. But actually doing an RYA diesel engine course will give you some of the basic knowledge that you need in order to, if you can, try and sort things out yourself. Or the
3: other thing is that you could... Whoever, if you know the engineer who services your boat in the year, get him down, pay him for an hour or so to go through it or sit there with him and just just understand it. Just understand what you have to do. I mean, we did do diesel engine courses and we're probably going to restart doing them again in the winter. It was too, it was too busy in the summer, unfortunately. So, yeah, I mean, I think engineers would do that. I think they would come along and just show you and say, look, this is it. This is what your belt should feel like. And this is what to look out for.
0: Um, as we reach the conclusion of today's podcast, Nick, I have a final question for you, and that's uh, about Savvy Navy and uh, the relationship, because partnerships are really, really important, and none more so, I don't think, than in the marine world. Uh, what, what's your view on the Savvy Navi app and, and what it offers boat, boat operators and owners?
3: I think it's amazing, because for me, I mean, I love navigation, as I said, I'm an old school, but it's so easy to use and so let's say today i've got a boat that's coming in sailing in from i don't know dartmouth to weymouth and i want to his course i want to work out what time it's going to take me to get there i reckon in three minutes i can work out how long he's going to be there what his eta is going to be um i can plan different routes for him and say right okay you don't want to go that way because the tide's going to turn against you but it just gives me wherever i am that instant thing so i mean i just think it's amazing and if i'm using it privately for sailing and stuff like that it's just i can sit at home and go oh where should we go and just it gives me all the information i want so for me i think it's an amazing app amazing bit of kit
0: nick eels thank you so very much indeed for joining us for today's savvy Navi podcast i hope you've enjoyed yourself
3: i have actually yes yes yeah it's been quite good for my
0: first my first venture well thank you so much for joining us
3: yeah brilliant
0: thank you very much Well, that's it. I hope you've enjoyed hearing from today's guests as much as I have and that you'll join me for more soon. If you've got any questions that you would like me to ask the crew of Phoenix, just let me know and I'll be sure to ask them very soon. Thanks for listening. The Boating Live podcast with Savvy Navi, making marine navigation at sea easy.